Before we get started, Dead and Married would like to thank those very close to our Dead Black Hearts, our patrons. Thank you to William Rush, Karima Rhodes, my best friend and fellow Tom Atkins lover, Gary Horton, Carissa. Jonathan says thank you. Dr. Sexy himself, Kent Morton. Oh yeah. Kate Lamp, Travis's cowgirl, Lala Thomas. Hey girl. And last but certainly not least, our friends over at the Podmortem Podcast. You can also check out their very own show every Monday on all major platforms. And now, on with the show. Warning. The following show features spoilers and opinions performed either by professionals or under the supervision of professionals. Accordingly, Dead and Married and the producers must insist that no one attempt to recreate or reenact any opinion or fuckery performed on this show. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Dead and Married. I'm Travis. Hi, I'm Ashley. And this week we're covering... Silent Night, Deadly Night, and Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. I, I think really they should have called it Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 1 and a half. Silent Night, Deadlier Night. Silenter Night, Deadlier Night. Deadliest Night. The deadliest. Even though it doesn't actually kill anybody at night in the second one. Silent <laughs> Night, Deadly Night Part 2. Garbage he, day. Yeah, but doesn't he basically kill everyone during the day in the second one? <laughs> Pretty much. I think with the exception of one two kills at night yeah. maybe <laughs> i don't know but this movie came out in 1984 it was directed by charles e sellier jr written by paul Kamey. i'm sure i'm getting that name wrong based on the story by him and michael hickey and this movie's got a pretty large cast but really the star of the show is uh billy Yes. Played by Robert Brian Wilson. And definitely Mother Superior. Yeah, and that was played by Lillian Chauvin. Yes. Chauvin, maybe. I don't know. We're getting these names I don't wrong. Know, no, I don't know names. It's it's not unusual <laughs> for me. Yeah. So, um, do you remember the first time you watched this movie? No. I'm pretty sure I watched it with you. Like Probably. This is a pretty recent one for me, I think. Yeah. It's been... This was not one that I watched or ever saw as a kid. Uh, I think it's it's been several years now, but I remember watching it for the first time, and I think my mom called me while I was watching it, and I happened to tell her, oh yeah, I'm watching Silent Night, Deadly Night right now, and my mom goes, naughty! <laughs> and that was just so funny, and that's the thing that I'm always going to think of whenever I watch it. But it, yeah, it's not one that I grew up watching, so I, I think we've mentioned it on here before that even if you've watched a ton of horror movies there's still something about watching one that you've never seen before and it hitting different because this movie's really fucked up yeah i didn't i think when you say silent not deadly night i had always associated it with the second one right and not really thought of this one at all so that was that was kind of where i went i know that's just kind of a not really a throwaway movie necessarily, but like it's not very good. You know what I mean? Because I had always thought no, about the second one. No, I that's me. That's what I was thinking. Uh-huh. Because you say Silent Night, Deadly Night, and I think Garbage Day. <laughs> but it that's not this movie. The yeah. first one is totally different from the second film. Right. Well, not really, because well, we'll get to that, but. <laughs> But it's it's got a very dark story. I remember after we finished watching it, you were saying that it wasn't at all what you expected it to be. No, no, it really wasn't. Uh, the story was a lot darker, uh, like I said, than I expected it to be. As far as, I mean, I know we'll talk about it, but cinematography, there wasn't anything in there that really knocked my socks off. I think it really was, the acting wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't just all weird inflection and eyebrows like part two. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that later, but... Um, I, don't, I guess the story is what really got me. 
Yeah. Because and the they give the killer in this one sort of a legit origin story. Like right. you can see how traumatic this situation would be for a child and how it could fuck them up. Yeah. Where they go off and do weird shit. Yeah, later. and is where most especially slasher movies, they're never really known for their acting. And this was one where I felt like the performances really sold it. Are there things that are over the top? Sure. Are there things that are corny as fuck? Double sure. But there are some performances in here where you really legitimately feel for the characters. And it, it was just, it's kind of refreshing, you know? So this is one I watch and I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there like, oh my God, it's just a slasher. It's not that serious. Don't think about it too hard. But seriously, if you really do sit and think about this movie, it's really fucking sad. Yeah. And I don't understand. I don't know where this came from, I guess. Like when they wrote this, did they sit down and think, how many rapes can we put in one movie? Yeah, I. I How was, many times can we legitimately put <laughs> that in a film? Thinking, just did Rob Zombie direct this? I know, right? <laughs> but why? Why? Why would you put that many in there? There's what, like three, four? No, there's only in two. This? Is there only two? Okay, yeah. well, it just it feels like there's a lot of them in here. Maybe it's because we watched well, this one I, and the second one back to back. Well, I don't recall there being any rape in the second one. Is there not? I don't. Maybe think it's just so. an attempted. But I but, think it's because of how many times Billy flashes back. Maybe to that's that incident. It. So that that scene plays over and over and over. So I'm I'm thinking that that's it. it. It feels like a lot, but there's really only two assaults in the movie. Right. So kind of moving on to the story itself. The synopsis, as posted on IMDb, <laughs> says little Billy witnesses his parents getting killed by Santa after being warned by his senile grandpa that Santa punishes those who are naughty. Now Billy is 18 and out of the orphanage, and he has just become Santa himself. <laughs> So why don't we talk about that? Because that, that's how this movie opens up is that Billy is what, five, five years yeah, old? Yeah, I think he's five in that. And they go to this mental institution to visit his dad's father, which I don't know. I It just seems weird that they would go to have a visit and then leave Billy alone with his grandfather. Well, grandpa was kind of, he seemed catatonic. Yeah. But still. Like, I don't know. I just, as a parent, I that's, that's not a situation that I could ever see putting our kids in. E- even if he is catatonic or whatever, I think it would be like, we're going to leave the room for a minute and then we'll come back, I guess. But not leave your little child there. You know, hell, our teenagers probably would not want to be left alone. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they didn't. It's not like they got in a car and drove across state, but... I can see where it would be creepy for a child because I get the impression or they kind of give you the feeling rather that they don't, they've never really met grandpa before. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they don't really know him that well. And I don't, I can see where it'd be creepy for a kid to be sitting in a room with someone that's just staring off into space and that oh, doesn't talk and doesn't move. And doesn't, doesn't, and I was trying to think Billy had kind of an epic roast to his mother or clap back because he was asking, um, about him asking about the grandfather and she was saying you know he can't talk he can't even hear us he can't whatever and then he's like so why are we going to see him right (laughs) which i thought was just the greatest comeback to that because it's like well i mean that's fair (laughs) i mean to a child anyway not not so much to us adults but he's just sitting there completely stone-faced and then once the parents leave the room it's just like something animates him all of a sudden he just snaps out of it and then he suddenly becomes lupus Peter Nyong'o and us. Yeah. There was this girl. Grandpa's been sandbagging this whole time. 
But I was just, I was laughing at his voice, the way he's talking, like, if you see Santa, you better run, boy. Because he punishes those who are naughty. Yeah. He's severely. Saying that Christmas Eve is the scariest night of the whole damn year. And yeah, it's just funny. So. Facts. Have you seen people shopping on Christmas Eve? <laughs> I think isn't it scarier on Black Friday? No, I don't. I don't. Pe- people legitimately like get killed during Black Friday. <laughs> they do. They there do. are there. But people watch Mojo List prove that people are straight and nasty on Christmas Eve. I've been in retail. Yeah, <laughs> and they're liars. Like I just need to come in for one thing. I just need baby food, and they come out and they're carrying like all these toys. Like you just lied to me, you, right, you dick? Yeah. <laughs> You didn't eat baby food. You probably didn't even have a kid. Right. Anyway. <laughs> so he thoroughly scares the shit out of this boy to the point that he wants nothing to do with Santa anymore. And as they're headed home and Billy has fallen asleep, parents notice, well, I've left out a crucial part to the story. And that's that we do have a cutaway scene of a Santa holding up a gas station. So the parents see this guy who has just robbed this gas station. I believe he killed the Yeah, the clerk. He, he shot the clerk um and they're thinking it's just some guy like headed to or from a christmas party and decide to be good samaritans and stop for him only for him to pull out a gun and i guess he's attempting to steal their car maybe yeah i think it started as sort of a carjacking but dad dad throws the car in reverse (laughs) like i i don't understand that couldn't he have just gassed it and gone around right exactly at least then he's not shooting right at his face which he's a good shot because he did hit dad yeah. Right in the face. But Billy had warned them. He told them don't stop. And what did they do? They stopped and they got fucked up for their troubles. That's why you don't pick up hitchhiking Santas. Yeah. You don't pick up hitchhikers, period. I mean, it might be fine. It might be Billy Bob Thornton. You never know. <laughs> This one, they found Billy Bob Thornton. Right. Not really. So sadly, uh, the dad is is shot, like you said, and Billy smartly uses this opportunity to get his ass out of the car. Lonnie got his ass away from there and <laughs> went and hid in some brush on the side of the road. But mom is drug out of the car and has her blouse ripped open. The guy looks like he's going to attempt to assault her, but she is trying to fight him off. And I believe she either knees him in the ball or punches him or something. Yeah, she's fighting back, so he decides that's worth death. Yeah, he ends up cutting her throat, and then he tries looking for Billy, but he never finds him. And then we, and, um, oh, Ricky, Ricky, who baby, we were, baby Ricky, who we will come to find out more about later, is sitting in the car crying. And this is, it doesn't start here, it starts at the beginning where they kind of, they could not get officially licensed Christmas music for this film. There are, a, there are a couple later on in the film but they made their own songs for this movie and i'm just gonna tell you a couple of them a couple of them slap like so here's the deal we were driving home from my parents house on thanksgiving and we realized we were going to be late in case you guys haven't already noticed this episode is coming out late that's because last week we were going to see my family over thanksgiving for the weekend and we ended up watching the movie on the way home, which there were a couple of really bad traffic jams, so it actually worked out to our advantage and we could kind of sit and watch the movie a little bit. But as it turned out, by the time we got home from that trip, we were just too exhausted to do re- a record that night. But um, I think the entire trip home that, or no, 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 I don't remember how it started, but I remember sitting in the car a lot of the time going, Santa's watching, Santa's waiting. <laughs> Like, yeah, it was, it was funny. So 
there's that song. And then, of course, we'd be remiss not to mention The Warm Side of the Door, which is another banger. But we um, we get one of them that it's like Ricky's sitting there in his little car seat crying, you know, because of what's happened. And they choose to play this weird song. It's like, little baby. <laughs> I don't know. Some choices were made musically. It didn't seem appropriate for the situation. (laughs) It kind of clashed. The audio clashed with (laughs) what you were seeing on screen. Yeah. So we cut to, I forget how many, three years? Three years, because I think Billy's supposed to be eight. eight. Yes. At this point. And he and Ricky have landed in an orphanage. And this is where we really, like, things really start to pick up. And we understand why we would end up with a murderous Santa. And that's because Billy, not so much Ricky, but Billy goes through some horrible shit at this orphanage. Like, it's clear from the beginning that he has a lot of trauma from what happened. But, uh, how do I put this delicately? Uh, Christian people, particularly the elderly Christian people, are like, it's fine. It's fine. You need to get over it. It, Yeah, your parents were killed. It's a thing. You need to move on. Like, rub some dirt in it and walk away, (laughs) basically. So Billy is sitting in class and they're making these um, Christmas drawings. And that's our first indicator right there is because I think he drew like a decapitated reindeer. Yeah, it was. uh, Or was it decapitated Santa? I don't know. It was blood. A lot of blood (laughs) in his little crayon drawing. (laughs) Which I would have went, oh, that's lovely. I'm going to hang that on the fridge. (laughs) Great use of color. I like the shading. Yeah. So, Billy obviously gets in trouble for this. And bless whoever this actor is that portrayed eight-year-old Billy because little Mick Jagger look-like there was just adorable. And I felt for his character the whole entire time, more so than the five-year-old version. That was Danny Wagner that played eight-year-old Billy. Okay. And see, I you took Mick Jagger. I didn't. Because <laughs> I looked at that kid and I thought, so that's what John Denver looked like as a child. <laughs> West Virginia, Mount your mama. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. But no, it just, I felt so bad for his character and the way that that actor portrayed him. Like, the kid did a good job. He really did. He was so, like, kind of laid back in the way he acted. Like, I don't know. He had this gruffness about his voice, even though he's a little kid. You know, he was, yes, Mother Superior. Uh, he just, he spoke very softly and gruffly that it was, I, I don't know, something about that felt very sad from Jump, I guess. Like, the poor kid just seemed beat the fuck down already. Well, he'd kind of had a tough life up to this point. Because right. Mother Superior might have been the devil. Oh, my God. Like, oof. I'm, I'm not going to get all political about this. I already made one comment, and I'm sure everybody's tired of hearing those in this show by now but she was just the fucking worst she reminded me of the coach from akira discipline 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 (laughs) thank you very much sir yeah (laughs) no days we're gonna go at it jack anyway (laughs) because the other nun and um i can't sister margaret sister margaret yeah she was saying well now we have tangible proof that he was affected by what happened to him and she was saying no impossible he was too small for that to happen and yeah basically what you said he needs some good old-fashioned discipline and the lord and whatever just give him a good old ass whooping he'll be all right exactly you know the way we were raised pretty much (laughs) and 
we kind of get a little bit of what his life looks like in there. And that's basically anytime he acts out in any sort of a way, he gets punished, albeit in the most extreme ways possible. Well, the kid gets the kid gets punished even when he's not doing anything bad. Right. Um, like at one point she tells him to go to his room and then the sister Margaret comes up and is like, no, you can go out and play. Right. And then like on his way out, he sees two teenagers <laughs> going at it. And what was the deal with all the slow nipple rubs? In this. <laughs> like they really zoom in on the thumb going around. I should have known you were going to quote Mike and Jay again. I don't understand why they put so much emphasis on that. Ladies, is that okay? I like I don't. don't you like a good nipple rubbing? Anyway. <laughs> But, you know, he sees them and then he takes off. But right? it's not his fault. Like, he goes It's not his fault they were fucking. And he, hear, he hears moaning happening. So any kid is going to be like, what, what, what the hell? It's not like he stood there with his <laughs> out of the keyhole and whipped it out. Yeah. I mean, he sees it and he runs off. And then. Well, he doesn't. Know. He kind of lingers there. And then Mother Superior yeah. is behind him. Well, okay. Well, maybe he was about to whip it out. But <laughs> the point is, is that that wasn't necessarily his fault. No, it was He's a little kid. They're going to. They're going to do that. Yeah, and then... But Mother Superior's just like, oh, shit. Man, she like, gets all sex nuts on him. And- yeah, she just said she wants to be... She wants to make it a threesome, right? So she's going to haul out the sex toys. <laughs> Not really, but she hauls out... Well, <laughs> it was. I think it was a belt, and yeah. she's like whipping him, but the kid, the dude... Okay, we're talking about teenagers here, I guess, right? So the boy is still on top of the girl at the point where she starts, I guess, hitting, <laughs> but the boy is on top. And she's yelling, take it. She is. Like, you're just fueling that boy's fantasy right there. I mean, if like, that's his thing. He's, <laughs> he's, he's on top of a girl getting whipped by a nun told to take it. So, I mean, depending on which way he goes. And she says it with that such might be the, gusto, that might be, too. Take it, take it. She's enthusiastic about it. Yeah, uh, take all of it. Take it all. <laughs> But then she goes back outside to find Billy and tells him, you know, of course, what you saw was really naughty. And when somebody does something naughty, they are punished. I, I believe she says punishment is needed or punishment necessary. Punishment is necessary. Punishment is absolute, which is And damn. then she proceeds to whip his ass too. Yeah, she takes him upstairs and then, yeah, I think she whips or paddles him too. Yeah, but I don't think she tells him to take it. Yeah. And it's not like, okay, all of us listeners and probably parents at some point have either spanked your child or have gotten spanked by your parents. And so, you know, the general rule of thumb is, you know, one swat or two, send you on your way, go think about what you did. But she whoops Billy like six Wait or seven Wait times. Wait a minute. When did that rule take effect? Because it was not in effect when I was a kid. I got my ass whooped. Well, same, but I wasn't going to go into our childhood. I'm not going sisters. into my childhood. I'm just saying. <laughs> That, like, if there was a two-swat limit, somebody should have told my folks about that. I'm just, yeah, I'm just saying I think that that's standard. Couple of pops, you know, go to your room, whatever. Um, Yes, not me, not you, obviously. But she gets him, like, six or seven times, and she's, like, really putting some yonder on it, too. She's not, like, just giving him a couple of taps. She's, like, really wailing on she him. She's caning that boy. And he, even at his age, I would expect a child like that to just be wailing their head off, and he's not not he's he's taking it 
I mean, wow, you just had to go there, didn't you? <laughs> no, I mean, he's just, you know, he's not screaming like you expect a kid to. Right. And then very promptly leaves to go do what he's supposed to. And then I think, I don't know if it's later on that night, um, he ends up having a nightmare about his parents' murder. And he runs out upset. And she then ties him to his bed, which I found that scene really upsetting because it's bad enough what happened to him in the first place. But then he's obviously terrified that he's still having dreams about this and seeing his parents get murdered in front of him. And that warrants him getting tied to his bed. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't. And he's just laying there begging. And I don't understand that. And yeah, really it zooms sad. out like to what outside the hospital, like an exterior shot, and you can still hear him. Yeah. And I know we're 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 kind of laughing and joking about it, but the subject matter in here is really not. It's it's funny. really not. Because um, what we're dealing with is a child who who is subject to a very traumatic event and then is thrown into an orphanage where he is abused yes. for the next 10 years. Right. Thir- next 13 years. Yeah. Um, and then uh, they have it, it Christmas time rolls around and they've established that every year around Christmas, Billy starts to act out, understandably. And this year they're going to have Santa show up. The kids are going to, you know, do the whole thing where you sit on Santa's lap and that whole spiel. And Billy is literally drug kicking and screaming to this guy's lap. And he. <laughs> well, because there's a there's a conversation there between Mother Superior and Sister Margaret and, and Mother Superior is like, no, he's going to do it and he's not going to act out. Yeah. She's wrong. Yeah. Santa gets knocked the fuck out. He does. By an eight year old. And Santa can't take a punch. This little kid who's probably 60 pounds manages to knock the shit out of this probably 200 pound, six foot tall man. Knocks him straight the fuck out of his chair. Yeah, he just rolled him over. (laughs) And then Santa Claus is like, what's wrong with that kid? (laughs) I don't know. And then the the last thing we see of, of those events is Billy runs back up to his room and he cowers in a corner. And for me, this is probably the most heartbreaking scene of the film. And older Billy kind of reenacts it later. But he's cowering in the floor saying, don't punish me, you know, I'll be good, I'll whatever. And it is so, so damn sad. And the little boy acted his whole ass off because I really bought it like somebody was beating that poor kid. And so the next thing we see is, we don't see it, but... We fast forward. Well, no, you just hear her walk into the room and she's, William. Yeah, well, I mean, you know what's coming freeze frames on his face and he's just so fucking terrified it's oh man i'm getting chills yeah just thinking about it it's it's so damn sad but from there we jump forward 10 years right yes and we jump forward to the sister ellen i think at that point or is it sister margaret it's still, still sister margaret I think. is trying to get him a job at, at ira's a, toy store at a toy store and the guy's like nah you know it's it's a man's job yeah i can't I'm, have some not, kid up yeah. here we got to move heavy shit all day. And she's like, well, I'd like you to meet him. He's like, I don't really need to meet him. Yeah. And oh, then she's like, now. Billy, come in here. And in walks a fucking WWE wrestler. <laughs> yeah. Because I and remember. Even the toy store guy's like, hey. <laughs> I was going to say, because I remember watching this movie the very first time, not knowing who anybody was. And they do that slow pan up from his legs up. And even I had a moment where I went, oh, hey, hello. <laughs> Like, we got a handsome man here. <laughs> yeah, and then, so Toy Story guy's like, you start tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And then from there, we get this this montage. Um, again, greatest song ever conceived to celluloid, the warm side of the door. It's so dumb. <laughs> I love it. It's such a terrible song. song. I love 
it. This I is like one of those it. horrible '80s TV commercials for like gum or something. Yeah, and it's I, a montage, just not one you want to see. And I made a funny connection having recently watched Halloween Ends and then watching this. I was like, oh, there's a correlation between milk here. I don't know why. Something about the good boys drinking milk because if you remember in Halloween Ends, um, Corey passed up a beer in favor of chocolate milk, and then in this case, uh, Billy is offered a beer too, I believe, or alcohol or something, and he's like, nah, man. It's cool. I got my carton of milk. <laughs> and so <laughs> I was telling Travis, I'm like, oh my God. So psychos drink milk. And we cut to Isabel sitting in the back seat of our car drinking chocolate milk. <laughs> and we both looked at her like, oh. Here we go. <laughs> so was there milk in American Psycho? Uh, Did he drink the, milk? No, I believe he liked his alcohol too. Well, see. <laughs> But no, we just, we cut to the fact that Billy's a good kid. He seems very well adjusted, very helpful, seems to be enjoying his job at the toy store. Well, and, and kind of throughout the montage, you see a maybe a, a relationship of sorts or friendship anyway, mm-hmm. developing between him and another person that works there, uh, Pamela, played by Tony Nero. Pamela. Pamela. Sorry. But, <laughs> Couldn't help myself. But uh, yeah. <laughs> But it it shows that apparently even after all these years of abuse or whatever, he seems to have come out the other side and is doing pretty well until Christmas time rolls around and we kind of start getting like these brief glimpses that maybe Billy's not okay. He's not acting out the way he did as a child, but if he sees a Santa or something, he kind of shudders. Yeah, he's a little on edge. Yeah. And then they have, they're going to have their store Santa come, but unfortunately, due to some roller skating... No, I thought he, he broke his ankle skiing or some something like yeah, that. Yeah, or ice skating he's or not, some He's shit. not going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> so they need somebody to step in and play the role of Santa, and Ira, or Mr. Excuse me, Mr. Sims, is saying, oh, he's not going to do it, but they have the perfect person right there to play that part. And so the next thing we see is that they have Billy dressed up as Santa and you can just see the color drained out of his face as he's looking in the mirror at himself in this suit and just completely having an internal panic attack. He's a little tense. Yeah. And he's sitting next thing with a child on his lap who's flailing around and screaming and throwing a fit, um, which Mr. Sims did warn him about prior. You know, sometimes these little bastards get scared. And I thought it was interesting that he chose to call them little bastards because the Santa who killed his parents, that's what he called him. Like, come back here, you little bastard. So I wondered if that was intentionally done. Um, Probably not. I'm probably thinking about it too hard. But I wondered if that was on purpose and that that was a thing that set Billy off too, was that he called him little bastards. But Billy is sitting there trying to maintain some kind of togetherness as he's trying to keep this little girl calm and talk to her, except he talks to her in a way that you would not ever want another adult to talk to your child. He's saying, I don't bring presents to bad children or, or to naughty children. You're, do you, he's like, stop it. Do you know what you're doing? You're being naughty. I don't bring presents to bad children. I punish them severely to where I went, okay. <laughs> he makes where, him, where are the sign-up sheets for this? <laughs> he makes them take it. Oh, yeah. And, no, I don't. That was... I don't know how I'd react to that. Like somebody saying that to one of our kids, like I would, I well, would have a moment. We've been in that position, not uh, 
with somebody doing that to her children. But as a matter of fact, it happened today. We went to go have have lunch and Isabel, for whatever reason, did not want to go to the bathroom that was like a foot away from us. And I was like, dude, the bathroom's right there. You don't need me to go with you. It's a single person bathroom. There's not going to be strangers in there. There's not going to be anything. And she's like holding herself down to the chair and does not want to get up. And I'm like leaning over doing the thing like, Isabel, stop embarrassing me in front of these people. Just get up and go to the bathroom. <laughs> Which to everybody out there listening right now, this is, oh my God, Ashley, you can't just go to the bathroom with her. I did. I did eventually get up to go to the bathroom with her. But it was just every parent has had that moment where you're looking at your child and you're like, what the fuck are you doing right now? Why are you behaving like this? Yeah. Can you stop <laughs> acting like that now, please? But you have to do it so <laughs> quietly so that the other people are not looking at you like, oh my God, you horrible fucking parent. Yeah. Well, he does get the little girl to calm down. He does. And of course, the parents and Mr. Sims that are watching, like, he's so good with the children. Moms. The moms, namely. Oh, the moms were watching. Yes. They're sitting there like, he's so good. Yeah, they were wondering what kind of package he was bringing. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, yeah, they think it, they think it's wonderful. Yeah. And then we go to the after party. Yeah. For Sims, yeah, buddy. He's like, let's get fucked up. I know. He seems like the coolest boss ever. Why would you want to kill him? I don't know. I would love. But we're going to. I would love at some point at the hospital if we could just close the lab and be like, let's get fucked up. <laughs> you know? So, to be fair, my job, they used to do that and they don't anymore. <laughs> So, yeah, they kind of have this little Christmas party and Mr. Sims ends up asking Billy about his parents and he's like, my parents are dead. Because <laughs> at this point, he's kind of, he hasn't lost it yet, but he's still very much He's on, on his edge. way there. Yeah. And the thing that set, just completely sets him off is that Pamela, who we think he and her have been starting a relationship with, and Billy obviously has feelings for her because there is a dream sequence also. So let's talk about the hairy elephant in the room. <laughs> because he does end up having this fantasy where they're uh, they're uh, getting down with the get down. And it does involve a slow nipple rub. <laughs> and there's a close-up on his very hairy ass. Which is a little off-putting because you're like, ah, okay, that's way too much hair. And it makes you wonder, like, when they first released this movie, was the film so grainy and the resolution so low that they couldn't tell? Yeah, I don't know. You think the guy who played him came back and watched this movie later in HD and was like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Why didn't somebody warn me? Right. Why didn't somebody shave me? <laughs> but... <laughs> At the end, he ends up getting stabbed in, like, the back or the side or something with a knife, and it gets drugged down. It's it's very cool looking um, where he wakes up. But back to the point, he has had feelings for Pamela, and then we find out that Pamela actually has had something on the side with... Um, Andy. Andy, the dickhead guy that's in charge yeah, of... Yeah, he's an asshole. ...the back room or whatever, and the one who offers Billy alcohol to begin with. And so once Billy sees them walking off, together i think that's pretty much what tears it because he ends up following them to the back room to see andy well, basically assaulting pamela yeah he's trying they were he's trying to force himself on her well he told her he had a present for her and she goes to the back and it, it doesn't it, it looked bad to billy from the outside but actually in the room she's telling him i don't know why you couldn't just give me a gift in front of everybody why do we have to be back here alone and he's like oh with well, this gift i can't show everybody and all 
all that. And when she refuses his advances, then he does attempt to rape her. To which Billy walks in right at the nick of time and fucking full on Michael Myers this guy by wrapping a string of Christmas lights around his neck and lifting him up off the ground, which goddamn. With one hand. With one hand. <laughs> yeah. He just like, I don't know. He's getting ready to choke slam that guy yeah. with Christmas lights. And for some reason, Pamela is not grateful for Doesn't she this. call him a bastard too? I don't remember. She tells him he's fucking crazy or something yeah. like that. And so he ends up killing her too and repeating the line, punishment is necessary. Punishment is absolute. Which, again, just ah, gives me chills. Um, and then proceeds to knock off everybody else. Well, I say everybody else. It's just Mr. Sims and... Uh, Miss Randall. Yes. I okay. I didn't know her name. I'm sorry. Um, and I believe Mr. Sims, he hit, hits him in the head with a hammer with the claw side buried into the top of his head. And then... Miss Randall. Miss Randall. <laughs> now I'm turning into you. Um, he shoots her with a bow and arrow. And that whole sequence, it goes on for a few minutes, her death. And it's it's cut with this animatronic Santa that's in the store. And that's got to be the creepiest fucking Santa I've ever seen in my life. Ugh, ugh, I don't even want to think about it right now. And then after this is where Billy starts to go on a killing spree. I can't remember who comes first. If it's the Sledders or if it's the always nude for some reason, Linnea Quigley. <laughs> I'm talking shit. I love Linnea Quigley. I do, honestly. She's I think badass. it was the Sledders. I think he got the Sledders on his way to Linnea Quigley's house. Yeah. There is, to be fair, because uh, we, get, we get so much out of the way first, and it goes by in such quick su- succession, that once you get to the point of where Billy's actually killing people, I can make a small complaint here that this is where the movie starts to drag for me a little bit, because the sledder bit goes on for a good long while. It's just these two kids going on and on about sledding for a few minutes, and then they get accosted by some older guys, and there's an argument happening back and forth. It's, it's really pointless. There's no point to it in the movie at all. No, it was just runtime. Yeah, and then once the older kids or adults, I guess they are, um, steal the sled and they start sledding, um, the biggest dick bag, bag of dicks, gets decapitated and the reaction of the other guy is so fucking hilarious. He starts screaming (laughs) and it's like, I'm thinking of Daniel Stern in Home Alone type screaming there. (laughs) Which I always love to see in, in film, but um, after that, he makes his way over to a house, which is Lene Quigley's character, and she is babysitting her little sister while simultaneously fucking her boyfriend on a pool table, or at least they're gonna fuck. And she starts hearing a noise and she thinks it's the cat. So she, of course, topless and in booty shorts, goes to, to let the cat out or let the cat in. I let can't the cat remember. in. And Billy shows up. And to me, this is the most epic kill of the film. This is probably my favorite kill of the film. And that, and that's that he picks her up, lifting her super fucking high in the air and impales her against deer antlers. It's it's a really cool shot. It's a really cool. It, like, I think it's... It's uh, done in shadow, mostly, but it... It's a pretty good kill. I would say of the film, it's probably the most iconic scene. Like, Darcy the male girl has reenacted it on 
on Last Drive-In. Really? So, yes. Yeah, it was, re- it was oh. really cool. Yeah. So, like I said, I talk a lot of shit about Lene Quigley, and it's mostly because I don't know that I've ever seen her in a film with her clothes on. So Does she own clothes? <laughs> but she's so cool. I don't care. It's all right. But um, he ends up, after that, the boyfriend finally comes up to see what the hell's going on. And I can't remember. See, that just goes to tell you right there. I'm not sure. Oh, he throws him out a window. Right. That's how he kills him. Um, but boyfriend put up a fight. He, he did. He did put up a little bit of a fight. But he ends up throwing him out a window. And this has all been kind of like the way Michael Myers is going from one place to wanting to just go home. It's kind of in the same vein in that... Billy is slashing his way through people so that he can end up back at the orphanage because obviously Mother Superior is his target. His nemesis. Yes. He's not killing his way back home. He's killing his way back to the person he wants to kill the most. Right. And meanwhile, we've had Sister Margaret kind of, like, at first it started that she wanted to check in on him, see how he was doing at the store, but she can't get a hold of him. So when she finds out that he had to play Santa, her her spidey sense goes off and she's like, oh shit, I need to get over there. And of course she finds out that he murdered everyone in the store and kind of knows in her mind that he's obviously headed back to the orphanage. She, Dr. Loomis's. Yes. And he's headed straight for Haddonfield. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you don't get there in four hours, I'm sure I will. <laughs> But um, Billy has made his way back over there and Mother Superior has been warned that Billy's going to show up and she's not at all worried. She's like, she's like, bet, like, I don't, I don't care. I'm not worried whatsoever. Let, right. let him But try. she's in a wheelchair now though. Yes. And Ricky is still there. And of course, Ricky has aged up a few years also. Well, Ricky would be like 13, 14. Something should be like, well, that. cause he was just a baby at the very beginning and right. then you jump forward. And and uh, what Billy was five five to eight. So I mean, it in the beginning it would he would have been like what three four years old maybe. Ricky would have been no. Rick, oh. He was a baby at the very beginning. Yes, yes. And yes, then yes. and then the next party would have been three or four. Yeah. So this is ten years later. So he would have been thirteen, fourteen. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Which the kid that plays him didn't look like he would have been that old. Right. I mean, he looks like he would have been seven or eight. Right. So, I don't know. But he and uh, the other orphan orphans are outside playing in the snow, building snowman and such and ricky sees santa walking up so naturally he's all excited which i don't know why he would be knowing the his family's history and we see a cop show up who is very very trigger happy and shoots the santa down and they call sister margaret and let her know that the santa has been killed and she says well what did he look like and they describe him as being an older gentleman when she says well that's not billy that's the that's father somebody that we've hired or, or he plays Santa every year and says well then why didn't he say something and she said well he wouldn't he's hard of hearing or deaf or whatever which is really sad because that poor guy didn't deserve that he just gets fucking gunned down LAPD style <laughs> And if Ricky wasn't already traumatized, he sure as fuck is now. And so the hunt begins trying to find Billy on campus or campus. I say on campus. It's a fucking church or whatever. It's an orphanage. It's an orphanage. It's still a church. Anyway, um, and eventually the cop does run into Billy, but it's so that Billy can ask him a question. (laughs) (laughs) 
And he ends up making his way inside as the children are singing Christmas songs to distract themselves from what's going on around. And Mother Superior thinks that she's going to bow up as much as she can in a wheelchair telling him Santa's not real. Santa's not real. And Billy goes, he lifts his axe up like he's fixing to just bury it inside her skull when he is shot by the other cop. The one that was with Sister Margaret, I believe, because other cop got himself, yeah, killed. I already said that. (laughs) Anyway... And then this ending is also very sad because Billy's laying there dying and he looks over at the kids and he says, it's okay, you're safe. Santa Claus is gone or something to that effect. It's really, really sad. And I think I looked over at you and even you had a moment of just like, God, that's fucked up. (laughs) That's kind of a fucked up movie. Yeah. And the thing that pisses me off about it is the bad guy won. Because in my opinion, Billy's not the bad guy. He had a really unfortunate life and bad things happened to him. And yes, he committed these horrible acts, but understanding where that comes from, I don't feel like he's the villain. I feel like he's a tragic character. So to me, the real villain of the story is Mother Superior. And she's sitting there looking smug as fuck. Like even at one point, she even kind of cringes away from him. Like, ugh, like she's like, he's beneath her. And I hate that the fact that she won in the end. And the last thing we see is Ricky look up at her very angry and say naughty. I think the movie's fucking great. I, I love this. But since this is a double feature, I'm going to let Travis take the reins for a minute. Uh, are we moving on to the yes. part to yes, the next one? Yes, we're moving right on okay. into part two. All right. I'm going to so, drink. <laughs> so for part two, you timed it. And the first 45 minutes of the second film are just the first film. Literally, it's minutes. just the first film. Yeah. So, and it's just cut in with segments of an interview. So, there's a psychiatrist interviewing Ricky. Ricky is played by Eric Freeman. Eric Freeman. I know that. <laughs> And he's an adult now, probably 18, 19, yeah. somewhere in the same range that and Billy another was. another guy, Nolan. yet again, built like a brick shithouse. They found another big kid to, to play this. And the biggest <laughs> part of this film is his eyebrows. <laughs> I'm going to point this out. And if you've never seen the film and noticed it, you're going to watch it again. His eyebrows, man. I and hope- watch his eyebrows. His forehead muscles must be grossly overdeveloped. I hope his eyebrows were part of a union because they put in some fucking overtime. They put in more work than anyone else in this film. <laughs> like, he's so fucking animated when he talks. And from what I understand, the poor guy has gotten shit almost in his entire life. Would you stop raising your eyebrows up and down at me? <laughs> he's gotten shit his entire life for this part. And, like, to the point where it's upset him quite a bit. He'd have people calling his house and saying garbage day or saying, can you say garbage day to the point where it, it was really upsetting to Oh, him. I can imagine. Um, because you, you get a job and you take it. And obviously he was trying to do the best that he could and but it's just I his his performance is so over the top that it's comical and this is not a movie like I I don't know that I would say the first film is scary. I don't think it's scary in any way. And this one is definitely not scary. Yeah, I was gonna say it, it's disturbing, but it's not scary. But this one, it's like they didn't even try to make it a horror film. Like, so, so one of the things that I heard about this is that they never intended to make a part two necessarily. Right. The first film got boycotted and banned from a bunch of theaters and all that shit. So mm-hmm. that the, their diabolical plan was that they were going to 
basically just re-released the first film with mm-hmm. a different name to trick people into watching it. Mm-hmm. That was the plan. But then it kind of fell through. So they're like, oh, shit, we have to actually make another movie. Right. And they came up with this. Yeah. And so, like, the dialogue in it. So most of the movie. Like you said, it's, it's a clip it, show with the first it one. It is. And it's the rest of it's just an exchange between Ricky and Dr. Henry Bloom, the psychiatrist played by James Newman. The problem is, is I don't mind them doing, like, a quick retrospect, you know, just a refresher. Like, Hellraiser's done that a couple of times where it's, like, previously on, you know, Halloween's Last time on Dragon Ball Z. Exactly. How long has it been since you've said that in an episode? It's been a while. <laughs> How'd it feel? Felt good. <laughs> but my problem is, is that you can tell what happened to that story very, in that story very quickly, but they would play entire scenes to something that lasted like five minutes or better. And it's like, really? Do we have to replay this entire scene again? Well, they really needed to replay all the rape and sex scenes. Well, not just that, but there were just scenes of Billy walking down the street or yeah. killing the sledders. And it's like, do we really have to have this in the film yeah in the dialogue between ricky and and dr bloom a lot of times just was weird yeah with the doctor asking somewhat reasonable questions and ricky coming back with some of the weirdest responses or smart ass answers or just yeah bizarre smart ass nonsense answers. red car good job good job (laughs) yeah so that's supposed to be the thing in this one is that red is what sets ricky off yeah um or nuns or nuns The thing that I don't understand is that Ricky's telling all of this from like a first person perspective. Yes. He was a baby from the very beginning. Yeah. He wouldn't have known anything about Santa Claus killing the parents. He wouldn't have known anything about any of the shit that Billy did. Right. And the doctor even asked him like, you were a baby. How do you know that? He's like, because I was there. Right. And then he kind of goes through his own life. And that's sort of where you take up, I guess, the new part of the story. Right. So he was adopted by... and. For some reason, they make it a point to be like, well, their name's Rosenberg. They didn't really celebrate Christmas. And it's like, why, dude? (laughs) Well, I guess anti-Semitism was sort of accepted in the 80s. (laughs) I don't know, but it just felt really unnecessary to make that. They just had to point that out. Of course, this movie came out in 1987. And as we have talked about before, the rules were way different in the 80s. Exactly. But he was, uh, for all intents and purposes, raised by a normal family. They they were good parents. He had a and he, he decent had a good childhood life. after he got out of there. Yeah, he did not have the same kind of life that Billy did. But at some point, kind of the same way it would happen to Billy, he would get triggered by seeing the color red or seeing nuns walking down the street. There's one point where he has a panic attack and he's trying to tell his adopted mother, like trying to get her attention and she's talking to somebody else and he's having to freak out and then finally she sees what's going on instead of chastising him or whatever she recognizes oh and so she's not like the nun at all whenever she sees what has happened she not only understands but she consoles him which again just goes to show how opposite their lives have been so in that way I don't understand why Ricky ended up on this path yeah and then the whole red thing I don't know that that holds up completely because the very first kill of his that we see, he's he's complaining about working at uh, working at a restaurant, right, washing mm-hmm. dishes, and he he kind of walks out into the back alley, taking out the trash into an altercation between a loan shark and some guy that owes money. Yeah, it's a shakedown or whatever. There's no red involved here. Yeah, he just decides he's going to insert himself into the situation. <laughs> yeah. picks the guy up with one arm because that's a thing that these brothers can do, <laughs> and stabs him with an umbrella. <laughs> And then opens it. Yeah. Because it would totally work. Yeah, exactly. 
but there was no red involved there. There was no trigger that no. I could see. None of the ones that they talk about are established that these are the things that sets this guy off. Uh-huh. None of them really were involved in that situation. He just kind of went nuts and killed that dude. And uh, to back backtrack just a little, his first kill, I believe, is kind of, it's rectifying the Pamela situation almost because they have to replay a rape scene for some reason. And this woman is getting assaulted by her boyfriend and he decides to step in and like Billy, save her from this. Well, that was a red Jeep, wasn't it? Yes. Okay. That's where the red car comes from. Good job. And he ends up mowing the guy down several times with this Jeep. The only difference this time is that the woman gets up and she thanks him for saving her and then just goes off. He doesn't kill her or anything like that. So you kind of get this thing where, okay, if he saved a woman from being assaulted and then he kills this guy who was a knee breaker or whatever, he's maybe a vigilante this time. Okay, that's something that's Maybe a he's not different. such a bad guy. Yeah. And then he ends up meeting this girl and Travis, you have the actress's names pulled up here. I don't know, <laughs> but... Uh, are we talking about uh, Jennifer? Yes. Yeah, played by Elizabeth Kate, Kaitan, Kaitan, Kaitan. And I recognized her from Friday the 13th Part 7, The New Blood. She had red hair in that film and she was the one who told the little ugly duckling that wanted to bang the stoner guy that she needed a little bit of touch-up work first. Only she's bleach blonde in this film and they wrote her to be absolutely fucking ditzy and stupid to the point where she actually gulps in a scene and goes, uh-oh, like just the most fucking atrocious <laughs> script ever. <laughs> and he ends up seeing her and they have like this kind of brief love affair, but she's got this ex-boyfriend who's a real tool bag and doesn't know how to eliminate brass from a bleached head. And <laughs> he's harassing her while she and Ricky are on a date to a movie to see Silent Night, Deadly Nights. <laughs> That's kind of what it looks like. Yeah, because... The thing is, is that Ricky's not there for any of that stuff because right. there were two punks sitting in the back of the theater talking and all that shit. And they had kind of commented to him a couple of times. Uh-huh. And at some point, he gets up and leaves. And that's when the ex-boyfriend, Chip, yeah. uh, comes up and he's laying it down. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Um, but the next scene, I believe it's the next scene. I don't know. We're kind of glossing over this one because there's just not really a lot to it. Well, there's only about 20 minutes worth of actual movie here. Yeah. Is that I think after the film or the next, or after the film, after their date or the next day or something, they're walk, I guess he's dropping her off at home and Chip happens to be there and he starts laying the shtick on again and saying really horrible stuff to her. And so Ricky gets pissed off and decides to kill him with jumper cables. But it worked. It did work. Were those like attached to his teeth? I don't remember I'm how not sure. did that. <laughs> I'm, I don't know that a car battery has enough juice to do that. Yeah. And it makes his eyeballs explode or some shit yes now that that's factual that will happen yeah i don't know it's i don't and know so like pamela in this one jennifer freaks out it's like holy shit you're fucking crazy and then the gulp and the uh-oh happens and then ricky kills her and this is where the chain of events happen and i always know when it's those events are going to start happening because he's wearing the blue sweater <laughs> and his eyebrows are working overtime <laughs> they're just flying up and down yeah. With every word he says. So a cop shows up 
And Ricky not only manages to take the cop's gun away from him and then kill him. And the thing that kills me here, apart from his eyebrows, is the performance here. Because he's delivering lines, but he's also cackling in between lines. <laughs> and it's that fake. Ha 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 ha. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. And it's but so the, the, over the, the top. The cop kill is almost as good as... The uh, the kill in Halloween Kills when Michael Myers kicks the door of that car and makes the nurse knock the gun around and shoot oh, herself yeah, in the yeah. head. Because that cop had him dead to rights. And all of a sudden, bam, the cop's <laughs> dead. Like, wow, it's magic. Yeah. But this is where we get the best line. This is where we get this scene here is where we get the line that everyone remembers. The, the meme and to end all memes. This dude, he's I mean, it's just like a Saturday morning or something. I don't know. <laughs> carrying trash can out on his front porch <laughs> and he sees him he's like garbage day and the guy's like what no <laughs> and then he just shoots him so there's my there's my thing with this is i don't know what's funnier is the garbage day or the no yeah <laughs> because every time the guy says no i crack the hell up yeah and then he just starts proceeding to shoot anybody who he comes into contact with and cackling the whole time. And then a squad of police show up and they have him, like you said, dead to rights. And Ricky decides he's just going to kill himself. He's all cackling and puts the gun to his head, only no more bullets. And then we end up in where we are at the beginning with right. him in the hospital. Right. But the thing is, is that he escapes, right? Yeah, he had escaped. And you find that he has strangled the psychiatrist with the tape from the tape recorder. Right. Um, well done, sir. <laughs> well done. Because that stuff's flimsy. Yeah. So then he he does, I guess he's decided he's going to finish Billy's work. And he ends up at Mother Superior's house. And she's still a... I'm sorry. I know I'm not allowed to say this word, but she's still a fucking cunt. Yeah. Only this time it's played by Gene Miller. Yes. Because they couldn't get the the other actress. Right. And to disguise this, she had a, quote, stroke. So one half of her face is... She, normal and the other half is she looks like freddy krueger on the other she's side she's the toxic avenger on the other side <laughs> yeah, yeah she does and i'm like i don't know that i've ever known a stroke to cause that kind of i've damage. never seen a <laughs> stroke do that right you get you get a little bit of paralysis on one side of your face but you don't become completely fucking burger on the other side no she looks like she had an accident yeah or a chemical burn yeah maybe she was in fight club <laughs> She could have been. <laughs> but she's doing her thing where there's, I think there's some children outside caroling or playing, building a snowman, something. I don't fucking remember. And she's all like, good children should be inside. So obviously she hasn't changed. And she does the same thing. I mean, the actress who played her pretty much got her down really well. I wouldn't have known it was another actress unless I had been told because the performance was exactly the same. No, she did a great job. Um, Because she's just a smug as ever when Ricky comes in there basically to finish what Billy started and she's telling him you're weak like your brother was weak blah 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 and I don't remember how he kills her is that terrible no I don't really either <laughs> but he I had- think I had abandoned this <laughs> I was just like wandering around going garbage day at random things so <laughs> but at any rate, he does. He is successful this time in killing Mother Superior. She jumped the gun. <laughs> 
So that's that's pretty much it. There's nothing special. <laughs> that's all the movies. Like you finish you finish the first one and you're like, God damn, that movie was fucked up. Like I might have some trauma from this movie now. And then you finish the second one and you're like, what the fuck did I just watch? Yeah, what the hell was the last 20 minutes? <laughs> what was that? Like, I, I don't know what this movie is. It feels like a fucking fever dream. Because we, we watched them back to back. And so you watch the first one and yeah, you're like, oh man, that was pretty dark. And then you watch mm-hmm. the second one and you're like, oh shit, it's the same thing. And then you get to the end and you're like, I don't know what, I don't know what that was. <laughs> yeah. It's a garbage day, apparently. <laughs> they should have just named the movie Silent Night Garbage Day. <laughs> so, honey... Um, obviously you prefer the first film. As I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what do you like and dislike about the original? Uh, that's kind of tough. Like there's, there's so much just awful content in the first one that to say, oh, I like that. It's going to sound really weird. Um, I, I, I don't know. I like the story. I like it that the, the, your killer's motivations were a lot more plausible, I guess, in this. Mm-hmm. You can, you can really sympathize with who is supposed to be the antagonist, uh, Billy in the first one. Like you get it. You understand where he's coming from. Maybe not why he's doing it or maybe not that he's doing it. Like, Hey man, that's exactly how I do it. Not like that, but just like, okay, I can see where this would make somebody mm-hmm. a little nuts. I had a shit life. Um, but yeah, I think that's really it. The acting was okay. Cinematography was okay. The kills were okay. Um, as far as special effects goes, there weren't there wasn't a ton. No, you know what really, I mean. Yeah, there really wasn't. Not a ton of makeup effects or anything like that. I guess the Linnea Quigley kill would probably be the best kill. I agree. Clearly, they spent the most money on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, maybe that was just the deal she made. She's like, listen, if I'm going to show my tits, you got to spend the most money on my kill. <laughs> and they were like, we we're going to do it anyway. So. <laughs> so um, but yeah, I think that would be it. As far as anything I dislike about it, mm, I don't guess there's really anything to necessarily dislike specifically. I think it'd been a better movie with a better budget. Mm-hmm. I think the script could have been better in places because some of the lines were either awkward or maybe the way they were delivered was just kind of flat. But yeah, that's kind of where I'm at on that. I'm sort of neutral, I guess, on this film. So it's not one that I would jump up and be like, hey, let's rewatch this one. But if you say, hey, I'm going to watch that, like, I'm going to stay in the room. I won't just get up and wander off somewhere. What about you? So, again, yeah, I prefer the original. And I think that's going to be down to if I'm going to like a film, it has to get an emotional reaction from me. And I feel like that one did. Like, as someone who went through abuse as a child, obviously, I could sympathize with what he was going through. And I really thought that he nailed his performance. I mean, I I don't know that I'm the only person who thinks that or doesn't think that. But I believe he pulled that part off really, really well. Like, I... I brought it up earlier and then I forgot to mention it, how there was a, a, oh, I can't think of the word, (laughs) a reprise of little Billy cowering in the corner saying, don't punish me, I'll be good. That older Billy did that too. And I believe it was after he had the nightmare that he too cowered in the corner and was repeating the same thing. And it's so sad. Um, So this was one that kept me very engaged and I cared about the character of Billy. And even though he's killing people 
It's not that I wanted him to succeed in murdering people. I wanted to see him succeed as a person. I wanted some kind of closure for him, just not the closure we got necessarily. You know, it just felt very tragic. Um, as far as what I don't like about it, like I said, that first, I don't know, first two thirds of that movie are really engaging. But once it goes to the standard slasher stuff, that's where I feel like there's a little less to be desired just because it does tend to drag out a little bit. The tone seems to change to this really heavy psychological story to just standard slasher tropes. And um, like like we were talking about, the deer head kills, really cool. I don't know that really any other kills stand out apart from that one. Um, but that's it. I don't have any complaints beyond that because there's some stuff about that movie that are just fucking off, like in a creepy way, like the animatronic Santa, like the creepy grandpa at the beginning. Like there's some stuff in there that's just odd enough that it creeps you out. Like I said, it's not scary, but there are creepy aspects to it. Um, the second film, it's just fun to watch. It's not fun. Like it's, it's not fun in the way that, oh, this is just a really great movie. I'm having a good time. It's fun in a way that I like to sit and rip on it. Like if Travis and I talked about, okay, why don't we take a tally of how many times the eyebrows go up and down? We never did, but, um, but it's, it's a fun movie to rip on. It'd be a fun movie to sit and watch with people who had never seen it before and watch their reactions to it. Um, and as far as what I don't like about it, the script's awful. The acting is worse. I don't like that we spend more than half of the film reliving the other far superior film. Yeah. So other than that, any final thoughts? on? I, I just think I feel like the acting in part two like the last, I mean, the movie's an hour and a half long. Part two is. Mm -hmm. So 40 minutes of that is, is the first movie. <laughs> right. So, yeah, you've got the last 40 minutes of the movie basically is new content. And it, it's like watching the room, but with a Santa Claus in it, yeah. I guess. But it's also acting wise. It's just boring. Apart yeah, there's not a lot. Apart from lot Ricky's freak out, everything else in between is just kind of boring. Part part two is just a riff track. I mean, that's you watch that. You, I think you said it. You watch that one. It's just you to have fun. Yeah. And you don't even watch the whole thing. Fast forward it. Watch the last 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. And just poke fun at it and move on. Yeah. And watch a real movie after that. So I absolutely, for any horror fan, recommend the first one especially this time of year. Um, unlike Travis, this is one I watch every year. Like it's required viewing every Christmas. Um, part two, not so much. It's it's not one that I watch very often at all. And if I want to see Garbage Day, I'll just pull it up on YouTube or something because it's not worth it to sit through the entire movie for one scene. No. So I cannot in good conscience recommend the second film. Now I understand that this franchise has a lot more sequels. In oh it. yeah, I think there's like seven of them. Yeah. And Bill Mosley, I believe, takes up the mantle as Ricky at some point. Uh, not sure if that's part three or not, but it's like this weird thing with his brain in a half snow globe on top of his head. I don't know. But I've never seen it. Um, there's another one with like Clint Howard and a bunch of slimy bugs and I ha 
have no interest in watching any of those. So for me, I like to pretend that it started and ended with the first one. <laughs> well, until we watched these, I had no idea that there were more than just these two. Right. But looking at it, it looks like there's five of them. Yeah, that sounds right. So. Yeah, I was like, is it five? Is it seven? I can't remember how many they've done. And rating wise, I think one and two are the high points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's as good as they're going to get. Yeah. But I don't know. I think for me, if it, if it was somebody that's never, if you've never seen either of these films, you should watch them once. Mm -hmm. You know, after you've seen them, if you like them, great. If you don't, yeah. <laughs> I do. I, I absolutely but, adore that first film. Yeah. If you've never seen them, I think you should watch them both at least one time. But with the second one, yeah, you can fast forward and just watch like the last half hour. <laughs> right. <laughs> because the second one, you're not going to miss anything. <laughs> So on that note, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Dead and Married. And next week, continuing on with the theme of Christmas films, we're going to be tackling Frank Calhoun's 2007 film, P2. Yay. This is another one that I watch every single year. <laughs> Yay. This is one I get up and wander off for. <laughs> I think this is the first time you actually paid attention to it. So hopefully you will have a little bit more to say. But until then, bye guys. Bye. What would you do to save the life of a teenage boy? If you subscribe to our Patreon for just $3 to $10 a month, you can get Aiden out of the industrial-sized hamster wheel we use to power our show. For that, you'll get access to bonus content and allow me to remove Aiden's handcuffs. He doesn't run worth shit with them on anyway. Also be sure to show your support on our social media pages. You can find us on Twitter as TravisL80 and SpookyMom83. Thank you for your consideration.